Hello and welcome into Big Talk, college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. I'm Dalton Shetler alongside my partner, Sam Sprunger. Sam, how are we doing? It's Friday. It's uh, I know I start this every week. It's Friday. It's the weekend, you know, the, but that's the great thing. I look for, you know, that uh, Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze uh, Saturday Night Live uh, skit where they're, you know, dancing for Chip and Dip. I'm always working for the weekend. You know, and I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm excited for the weekend. I always love the weekend. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Well, have me. My internet's showing that I'm buffering pretty good. Do you still hear okay. me, Sam? I can hear you now, yes. You still got no, me? I can't. I'm hearing you now. I'm. You're in some rough shape. It's always you. Let's see. It's, it's, I'll start working on the, the backup of getting my phone around. Yeah, at least it's you this week. Nonetheless, I'm going to get on my phone because I feel like this is not quite working right. So okay. give me one well, minute. I'll kind of set some things up while you're doing that. The the uh, There are a bunch of things that have happened in the world of college sports, uh, especially with the Big Ten that involve the Big Ten, I guess, would be more a better way to put it. Wouldn't you think, Dalton, that a lot has happened in the past few days with the world of college sports that involves the Big Ten? It's not necessarily Big Ten ex- specific but it involves the big 10 with the cfp uh, new five plus seven model for the cfp coming out we're we're looking at something that you know we haven't ever experienced before and so there's a lot of news out here that is affecting our conference yeah absolutely i mean and and you brought it up too with uh college football we're going to be diving into college basketball is coming down the home stretch we almost have our big 10 champs decided for the regular season and also by the way apologies for the technical difficulties thanks everybody for for sticking around with (laughs) us as uh as we make it through but um let's go ahead and start if you don't mind sam with big 10 basketball because this has been a wild week since we last spoke, uh, let's go ahead and start with number two Purdue losing in Columbus. Right. Uh, they just were days removed from firing the head coach, Chris Holtman. Interim head coach Jake Diebler gets the assignment to, to be the interim guy, and they have to host number two Purdue right away, the, the best team in the Big Ten. And you're kind of sitting there like, oh, my goodness, Jake. Best of luck to you, man. I don't know what you're going to do. Um, but you know, see what happens and they pull off the upset and an emotional win there in Columbus. That was obviously for you, Sam, I know you're a Purdue fan, so it's a different prism, but for a neutral fan of the big 10, that was an inspiring, emotional, special moment for Ohio state. Well, and I, that, that was the thing that I looked at is, yeah, here's, here's the way I've taken it as a, as a whole is. Purdue's going to lose some games. They're not going to be undefeated. You know, it's, you know, there's a reason why it's been since 1976, since a, a team was undefeated throughout the whole season. It just doesn't happen. It's really hard to do, especially when you play in conferences where teams know you from years past and they know how to prep for you and they play you more than likely twice. It just, you're going to get reached or somebody's going to reach up and grab you and bite you. And it's going to be the least expected team. 
and uh, that would be Ohio State. Like you mentioned, they had no coach. You know, they have an interim coach that's coming in. They have this, that, the other thing, and there's just no way they beat number two Purdue. And what do they do? They play a great game. And Purdue didn't play poorly. That's the thing is Purdue Purdue played poor-ish. They didn't play horribly. Like they 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 played pretty decent at times. They were trailing by double digits, got in back into the game within a couple of points. So like Purdue played a decent game at times. Ohio State just played a really good game that game. Inspired basketball is what they played. Yeah, and it was how cool was that? And especially like the more you dig into the Diebler family and their connections in the state of Ohio, yeah. the, the high school basketball ranks, uh, what the university itself means to Jake, mm-hmm. why he's turned down so many other coaching offers to be there in Columbus. Uh, of course, we know his younger brother, John, the wonderful career he had at Ohio State as the all-time right. three-point shooter. I mean, for it to kind of come full circle like that and Jake to have that moment, that was pretty cool. And the other one that was pretty cool this week, Penn State, they upset 12th-ranked Illinois, and they do it at Rec Hall. I, and this, to me, was just awesome because, A, I always love tapping into nostalgia, love tapping into retro hoops. But right. also, I, I think it's pretty consensus. I think you would have a hard time finding anybody making the argument that the Bryce Jordan Center is not 14 out of 14 when it comes to Big Ten basketball venues. And it's not because it's a bad venue. It's very clean. It, it looks great. And it's a great multipurpose. It's great for right. concerts, shows, whatever. But – a lot of the men's basketball games, even you still have the curtain on that upper section. Like it's just too big, 14, 16,000, whatever it is. It's just too big. They don't get that crowd. And at rec hall, it looks different with the six or 7,000 capacity. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is, is I can remember before the Bryce Jordan was opened that Purdue would go there. I remember Glenn, I know I fall back to Glenn Robinson a lot, but that was my, my, my formative basketball following year they went to penn state and they got beat by seven points and they were the seventh ranked team in the country and it was because when you know they're the boilermakers are inbound in a pass there are fans standing directly next to them not behind them not directly behind directly next like that's it and that the environment of being on top of even 6,000 people being on top of you rather than 6,000 people being spread out amongst a 16,000 yep. day and night. It's day and night. And, and it just made an awesome environment. I mean, it's, yeah, it, they probably had more people for that game because it's a special game and, sure. and people had it on the calendar, but the, the amount of people that were there is not big enough of a difference to what they normally get. It's just, as you talked about, the way they're packed in, and it made it mm-hmm. intimate. It was an intimate environment. For and sure. I feel like there's so many venues where the intimacy starts to get lost, and for that to come back for that night and for Penn State to win it the way they did, where they're down uh, seven, with 40 seconds to play, they yes. come all the way back. They win the game. That was truly a really special and iconic night there at, at Rec Hall. Well, and the, the, the crazy thing is about that is, is Terrence Shannon Jr. blew up for that game. He had 35 points for the game, and they, Illinois still lost. That tells me that, you know, the, the I didn't even look at the box score, honestly. I just saw that he led the way, and that tells me that, you know, the 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 other cast didn't do what they'd been doing all year up to this point. Yeah. And, and don't you think 
Look, I don't know logistically if it's even a, a possibility. I'm sure it's probably not. But the home game should all be played at Rec Hall there at Penn State. Like, why, why sure. would you have that experience and say, let's go back to not having an energy like that at all? Well, and uh, the school I graduated from with my, my undergrad at uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne, it was IPFW at the time, they play some of their games at the Coliseum which is just down the road from, from campus, mm-hmm. but that's 12,000 people. And if they have 1200, if they have 1200 people at the, at the games, which 2000, 2500 to 12 to 2500 is basically what they average. You put that in the gate center. That's a full crowd. You put mm-hmm. that in the Coliseum and it looks like nobody's there. And it's very quiet compared to all those raucous fans in the small. Yeah, go smaller if you don't be don't automatically fall in love with the huge. Fall in love with what's going to give you the advantage at some points. Well, and and so many like again the Bryce Jordan Center. Like if you walk the hallways, it's proudly displayed of all the entertainers that have been there and yeah. performed concerts and different things. Like they're they're very proud of of it being a multi purpose. But mm-hmm. boy, they're really losing a lot when it comes to the basketball aspect of it mm-hmm. uh, there. Because like I said, I I think it's universal. I I don't know that anybody would argue they're not dead last in the yeah. big 10 in terms of venue and it's not because the the venue isn't a nice venue it's just right. not it, it's not effective for their crop or for their team and then as we continue to go through the week that was in big 10 basketball let's switch over to women's because last night was oh hold on you missed one a big one which one nebraska went to bloomington and won a game you're right the first big 10 road win for the huskers this yes. season how about Yes. Uh, the mayor and the boys getting it done. <laughs> it, it, honestly, uh, it warms my heart because it happened in Bloomington. But then also, <laughs> it, it makes it, it it gives Nebraska a little bit more validity. I think now they're able. Yeah, granted, they've only won one away game in the Big Ten, and it's against a struggling IU. But you know what? They now have one on the road. Yep. Maybe they've, they've still got two more. They've got Ohio State and Michigan left uh, on the road. They win both of those. That gives them three overall. And now, granted, that's out of ten. They're three and seven, but that's a heck of a lot better than 0 and 10. And that yeah. gives them a little bit more firepower in saying, yes, we belong in the tournament. And you know what? Maybe they could win a game or two. And, and, again, they're the team out of the Big Ten that's most squarely on the bubble. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're at I think, a situation. I think Northwestern should be, too, with Ty Berry being. Uh, and, and I think they're they're there, but I think Nebraska, if you look at, like, the, the metrics, they are agreed. the yes. closest one. I think we're Northwestern's North- probably done enough to or be strongly in right now to where they're not on the bubble necessarily or, or they're at least on an inside lane ahead of nebraska right, right. not maybe not by much but they're right. they're in an inside right. track um and they took care of business against michigan last night so things are still going good for northwestern if they keep uh hanging in there it, minnesota yeah minnesota keeps finding ways honestly I, this is a great game to play if the season ended right now and granted there's only four or five games left in the regular season who's big 10 coach of the year and Ben Johnson, I was going to say, I have a hard time not saying it's Ben Johnson And Minnesota is, what are they? They standing in the, the big 10 eight and seven right now, uh, a half game behind uh, Michigan state, which is seventh and in the big Nebraska 10. and Nebraska. So they're in seventh place in the big 10 conference, but preseason, they were supposed to be 14. I believe, I believe they're 
predicted dead last and they get to seventh. And I don't know. I if Purdue they win, prob- if they win two more games, Dalton, they're guaranteed a five hundred record in the conference. That to me is incredible with where they were expected to be. Completely agreed. And I just want to like evaluate the other situations. Sure. Like, Purdue should be thirteen and three. Like or at least sitting at, t- at the top of the conference. At least yeah. There. If if Purdue was sixteen and zero, we would have a conversation about Matt Painter. But the bar is too high for the talent golf that Purdue has on everybody else. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Northwestern ten and six. I mean, if they win a couple games down the stretch without Ty Berry, you could talk about Chris Collins. Sure. Um, the way uh, and Chris Collins would be back to back. He won it last year. Uh, Wisconsin, the way they've nosedived. Um, it's it's kind of out of question. And you remember Mike DeCourcy said that the only way he thinks Greg Gard gets it is if they win the conference. Which makes sense to me. Yeah. And and kind of along the same line, uh, Brad Underwood at Illinois, 10 and 5 in conference play. I'm not sure it's enough. Nebraska, 9 and 7. I think you could have a conversation about Hoiberg. Uh, I think MSU, he's nine, in the top three, but I don't think he's winning it. Yeah. Yeah. There, and there I think were, that's there, there were a few expectations of Nebraska. Yeah, like, there were some expectations. Minnesota, I, I, there were none. I like the way you framed it there with with Hoiberg maybe being top three. I think you got yeah. Hoiberg. I think you've got Ben Johnson, and I think you've got Chris Collins. I, and I agree. One of those three has to be your Big Ten Coach of the Year. If it's anything outside of that, I'd be kind of surprised. The only one, and and you're, I I would be too, but the only other one would be Matt Painter. I think. Yep. And I don't, I agree, they should be there. So, honestly, he's doing his job. He's yep. not doing, he's not superseding. If they were undefeated, like... Then you, it'd you know, be another conversation. There's a different conversation. But yep. they're not. And so, yeah, I agree that uh, it's 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 those three, I think, in my book anyways. If yep. I were a voter, it would be Ben Johnson, Fred Hoiberg, and Chris Collins in that order. The women's side is interesting, too, and we can get to that Isn't conversation it? in a little bit. Um, but, uh, let's go ahead and, and talk about those games that happened last night on the women's side, because this was fascinating in a packed assembly hall sold out. The line was wrapping around the sidewalks hours before tip off. It was Iowa in Indiana tipping off from Bloomington, Indiana, and the Hoosiers just came out of the gates with their hair on fire. You oh. could tell this did not sit well with them the way they lost last time. Um, there just was chippiness of physicality the entire game, and Indiana was just simply not going to lose last night. Well, and they sure showed it too, winning by 17. Goodness gracious, you know, and and uh, you know, Caitlin Clark being held to 24, you know. Well, and that's the thing that uh, sorry to interrupt you, but no, you're fine. Clark was frustrated, and Indiana absolutely um bothered her and then you look at the stats at the end and she has 24 points 10 boards nine assists like <laughs> it just goes to show again like what the standard of greatness is she struggled <laughs> and, and she did she did yeah, not have a game she went eight of 26 from the floor three 16 from three i indiana was absolutely yeah. flustering her ha- had her a bit rattled and they were just in her grill all night just did not back away yeah it, it, i I honestly didn't think that it would be possible that I'd see Iowa with three conference losses. I really just did not see that being a thing. Um, did I see maybe them losing to IU and Ohio State? Yeah, but I, I, I just didn't expect more than that, you know, and 
their their season is far from being lost. Yeah. But it just is a surprising thing. That'd be kind of like South Carolina losing a couple. Like that, you've got this team that's just you you see as being. Although Iowa is not South Carolina. South Carolina Correct. is that is that rock solid. They shouldn't be losing. Yep. But it's still kind of that 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 level of where Iowa is. You know, when they get to the when they get to the tournament, I wholeheartedly believe that you know Iowa's gonna make a run for a Final Four. You know, yeah, could they get beat out in the in the Sweet Sixteen? Sure, uh, but I still think they're a favorite to make a long run at least into into the tournament. Uh, I don't doubt that they're one of the best, if not top three teams in the country. And and right now they sit fourth in, right. in the country right. with the rankings, so it kind of backs up what what you're getting at. But I, I found this to be fascinating because now both Indiana and Iowa have three Big Ten losses. And Ohio State still sitting there with just one Big Ten loss. Ohio only State, what? Three more games to play. It, it, Ohio State could win a share of the Big Ten championship this weekend. Yeah. If they win, and I have to pull up the schedule. I had it on my phone, which, of course, is now how I'm talking to you all. So yeah. that's <laughs> great. Um, but Sunday they play oh, uh, Maryland. Yeah, it's Ohio is, State and Maryland which in is Columbus, not an easy, which is not an easy win. I mean, even if Maryland has struggled, that's not an easy win. Yep. So that's going to be interesting to see. But um, Ohio State right now, second best in the country. They got a win streak of, I believe, 13. Yeah, 13 mm-hmm. wins in a row. Uh, Ohio State is destined at this point to become Big Ten champs on the women's side. And the big question sits, can either Iowa or Indiana climb enough to tie them? I think Iowa could, but it's a tough road ahead. Okay, so they're two two games, full games behind uh, Ohio State right now. So they've got to hope for uh, Maryland or Michigan, which Michigan has beaten them. Yep. this year that's so the only hope... ohio state big 10 loss correct if they can if 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 maryland or michigan can beat ohio state then iowa on the last day of the season can tie for the the big 10 championship because they play each other head to head yes they play each other head to head and the only thing about the michigan comment because it's it's fair but <laughs> It's now senior day at Ohio State. I don't disagree that it's going to be a tall order. Not at Correct. All. No, no, no. And I know you weren't insinuated, but you were just framing that the fact that they have beaten them, and they have. But just for the, the listeners who maybe aren't aware, it's it's going to be a completely say, different beast. They played them in Chrysler, Chrysler Arena on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, and Michigan, from what I saw, was playing a little bit out of their minds compared to what, Ohio State is so uh, uh, and if you look at the uh, you know the record Michigan's seven and eight right now in the Big Ten so they're not setting the world on fire uh, against uh, the other teams other than Ohio State so it just kind of lends to they played a really really strong game against Ohio State the first time it's going to take that and then some the second time so that kind of brings up since we're talking Big Ten coach of the year on the men's side for the women who do you go with? Um, I'm not familiar with coaches' names, honestly. Okay, um, I can but, help. Uh, I think I think Michigan State. 
I think, Robin I, think I think Robin has done a fabulous job uh, having him at nine and six and nineteen seven overall. That is an amazing job for a first year coach that didn't necessarily have a ton in the cupboard. He had stuff in the cupboard, but not a ton of stuff in the cupboard, and you had injuries. So she's done a fantastic job. But then we have Ohio State. I, I, while we knew they'd be good, did we know they were going to do this? I don't mm-hmm. think we can honestly say that we did. They, we, we thought, well, they could win. They could sneak in and win the Big Ten or whatever. They're doing it convincingly. So I, I'm not, I don't know the coach's name at Ohio State. So Kevin McGuff. I think, uh, I think McGuff then is probably a 1A. Like those are my two. Those are the only two that I really think that maybe um, that's that, that's those are my front runners for the Big Ten right now because of the jobs they've done over expectation. Those are, I think, the exact two front runners there should be. Like, I'm, I'm with right. you, but I would flip-flop the order, and I go Robin 1A, and I go Kevin 1B. And the reason why is because, I mean, you mentioned from what Michigan State brought back a year ago. And, and by the way, again, with preseason expectations, Ohio State, we put in that top three class. We said it's going to be Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana. Let's see what shakes out. I got a question real quick before you go any further. Sure. How do how do you preface it? Because I said one and one A. Is one better than one A or is one A better than one? Oh, I went I thought I said Freilich one Freilich one and and uh <laughs> McGuff one one A. I accidentally left a letter off. I didn't know no, one no, no. was an option. <laughs> yeah, one one to me I've always done it. One is the number one choice and then one A is the close second. So that's, that's funny. Okay. So I w- I'm in the same order as you, Freyla. So we agree. Then. Yes. We agree. Yes. Um, that's hilarious, actually. <laughs> um, but right. um, for Michigan State, they were projected to be ninth, tenth in the Big Ten in the preseason. Uh, they brought back a roster that lost Kamari McDaniel, who was their leading scorer. They lost mm-hmm. Matilda, who transferred to Virginia Tech. Those two combined for about 28 points a game. They lose Tiger Parks, who transfers to Ohio State. And then throughout this season, and a a year where they came into it with not a lot of height already, they lost Isa Alexander to a season-ending injury, who's six foot three. They lost Mary Meng, their freshman, at six foot five to a season-ending injury. And they lost Gabby Elliott, who was their leading rebounder for a while, to a season-ending injury. So it's already a short team going in, and they had concerns. And they lose three of the bigger bodies they have that can get in and especially get rebounds when you include Gabby. So now they have no size. Michigan State's been playing a a guard at the five all season long now with Julia Arolt. And Arolt's averaging 15 points and seven and a half rebounds a game. Like they've tweaked it where instead of it being a disadvantage, Arolt will catch in the high post and the bigs can't quite handle her. As she goes to the face-up game and just turns it on its head. Mm -hmm. And, And to me... When you factor that in, the, what Michigan State has lost with injuries and what they lost even from last year's team heading into this, and then you add on here, it's a thin depth team with those injuries too. It's a seven-player rotation. One of those players transferred in from Bowling Green with Robin. The other six are returners from last year. Those six players from last year averaged a combined 31 and a half points, if memory serves right, per game. Those six players did. That's they 31. now average 70. 31. Okay. They average now 73 points a game. Wow. Those six players 
have had an increase collectively of 41 points a game. And so when we talk about coaching and we use the different formulas, that's to 133% me, improvement. It, it's, it, um, yeah, like it's that kind of incredible what Robin's been able to do with this team. And uh, to me, and, and look, I know like I'm saying this on the, for our vid- visual listeners or audio <laughs> listeners, I got an MSU hat and MSU shirt on. But I, I think the job that she's done in year one has been so incredible. And uh, I'm somebody who I thought last year Shauna Green should probably have won it at Illinois. And I know we're splitting hairs. We're using different formulas. Terry Moore won it, and she's absolutely deserving. She won the Big Ten Conference last year, not taking anything away from Terry's well, job. the last first year. time in 40-plus years that they'd won the Big Ten. So that's a big thing. Absolutely. And, and so – you get to a situation where you have multiple deserving people. Kevin McGuff is deserving from Ohio state, but I just think when you really dig into it like that, Robin Fralick should be the coach of the year. I don't disagree. Um, The, the fact that she's done what she has uh, is just, and, and, you know, I've listened to games and and stuff and, and then also through talking to you understand that, you know, that she's done what kind of job she's actually done there. And, and people can say, well, you know, she doesn't do much. She's just the coach. Well, that you've got to have a a winning attitude. You've got to start a culture and Michigan state didn't have that coming out of last year. Not that the, the coach was garbage. It was just that, 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 environment was different and they needed to get a new environment in there and a new culture and she's done that from day one and it is starting to look really nice really green in east (laughs) no it's it's been something else so i'm i'm curious how it goes because uh women's basketball only has one more week in the regular season next weekend finishes out the regular season on the women's side and then they've got the tournament and then it's just downhill from there in a good way, Dalton. Yeah. We're just tournaments all over the place. And I'm so excited because I think for the women, they are – they got a couple bubble teams. Maryland, Michigan, both of them are sitting on the bubble. Right. Um, Minnesota's hanging around. I tell around. you what, Illinois could get in there too they, with, their, with what they're doing. They I mean, the way they're there. playing now, they're absolutely a tournament team. The question is, is that hole they dug too deep for themselves? Right, because they're only 13 and 12 over and all. Over yeah. And all. They, they were pretty darn dreadful before. Yes. So it's a matter of uh, if they can win some games then in the rest of the Big Ten, and then in the Big Ten tournament, you might get them being a little bit more uh, uh, involved in tournament talk. And that's – I almost think – I almost believe Illinois is at a point where they have to win the Big Ten tournament. So? But yeah. the way they're playing, it's not, not out of the realm of possibility. Not they just beat Indiana by 20, who just yes. beat Iowa. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the kicker is IU was coming off a huge loss to Illinois. And who they have next, they have Iowa. So they're staring at a two-game losing streak square in the face, and they said, no. And Indiana still has not lost at home in women's basketball this season. They have, I think, the 11th longest streak in the country. Um, and, and we talked about for regular season games, they haven't lost in a couple of years. The only loss they had was last year in the NCAA tournament to Miami in the second round. They are 14-0 at home. I mean, you if you're going to play Indiana, play them anywhere but Assembly Hall. <laughs> who, beat, who beat Ohio State? They beat them at Ohio State. What'd you say? Who beat Ohio State at home? Ohio State's oh, 13 and 0. Yeah. 
I'm, let's see. Oh, I accidentally clicked on IU. Uh, let's see. They lost to USC on a neutral site. Right. And then I thought they lost to UCLA. They uh, lost to UCLA 77-71. So, so they lost two Big Ten games, in other words. <laughs> right. Do you think Iowa can petition for those to be included this year? <laughs> That's a great idea. But uh, And UCLA, for folks who don't follow nationally women's basketball, UCLA at the time was ranked second. They're still one of the best teams in the yeah. country. So it's yeah, not a bad loss at all. They're good. Yeah. And, and that other loss to USC, USC's got one of the best players in the country. In Juju they're good. Watkins. So, like, there's all of these losses. They don't, the only, the poor loss is Michigan. Yeah. The bad loss is Michigan to them. And, and I mean, a rivalry game, yeah. B different styles of play. Michigan yep. kind of grinds you to death this year with that squad. And, um, yeah, Michigan played well in that one. And that one's, that one's the head scratcher. I won't go as far as saying a poor loss. It's just a head scratcher because it could still be a tournament team. Right. Well, and it's one of those that you take into the consideration that it is a rivalry game. It's those things you take those into consideration, yeah. And you don't say it's a horrible loss. You just like that's a little iffy. I, if anything, it's just confusing to me. <laughs> I'm just like, how does? Well, and sometimes yeah. basketball's just gonna basketball. But it's are you one are that you talking about like Ohio State having just fired their coach <laughs> going in and beating the number two team in the country? why we love this sport right. so much that's right um but so real quick before we segue out of this um for big 10 women's basketball we mentioned right now with ohio state sitting at 14 and 1 indiana's 13 and 3 iowa's 12 and 3 in big 10 play ohio state with a win this weekend or an indiana loss or iowa loss excuse me would clinch a share of the big 10 conference um championship but it looks to be ohio state's to lose at this point if you're following along, excuse me. Meanwhile, on the men's side, Purdue at 13 and three, Illinois 10 and five, Northwestern 10 and six, Wisconsin 10 and six. That loss at Rec Hall really hurts Illinois' chances and hopes for a Big Ten title. Still I mean, they're possible. still, still it's very st- possible. Yeah, it's still possible. They're two and a half games back uh, with four to five games to play uh, between Purdue and Illinois. I, I mean, at this point, I don't believe. Let's see, with one more Purdue win, Northwestern or Wisconsin uh, can't get a share. Or right. if Northwestern Wisconsin loses one more game, they can't get a share. So at this point, really we're talking between Purdue and Illinois, but with so few games left and, and a two-and-a-half Illinois game, loses another game, even if it's not to Purdue, that's a, a problem too. Yep, yep. So it's that's going to be interesting to see um, how that plays out. But that's our situation with two weeks to go on the men's side and one week to go on the women's side. Um, there was some other news that we wanted to get to uh, college football ramping yeah. up with uh, a little bit of a, a, a news cycle bit this week where the <laughs> always got to be doing something. Don't they I know. take our time, our fun time and just have to settle <laughs> the five, seven model gets approved. Um, so for the college football playoff, it's, it's going to be pretty interesting moving forward, Sam. So, uh, my my biggest uh, question would be is you know are they how are they setting up where are they taking their teams from so the five plus seven model I don't understand the five plus seven model unless they're saying but I guess they're taking the five top conference champions definitely get in yeah or something like that but the top four conference champions get the top four seats 
Yes. Which means that if Notre Dame is number one in the country and undefeated, they can do no better than a five seed. And and I don't believe, so I'm looking here at CBS Sports, and I'll, I'll read this section here. The College Football Playoff Board of Managers unanimously approved a change to the 5 plus 7 model as the expanded 12-team field debuts in the 2024 season, awarding automatic bids to the five highest-ranked conference champions with seven at-large bids filling out the field. So you imagine with the Pac-12 dissolving, you have the four of Remaining Big 12, Big 10, SEC, ACC, and then whatever other conference has the next highest rated, those get the top five. And then the rest are the rest of. So is Notre Dame considered a conference champion after the four or is it they can't be a higher than a six seed? You know what? So they, they can't be a conference champion. Right. But to your point, I think it's uh, the, the four, the top four seeds go to the power conference champions. And I think maybe it's just the next highest rated conference champion gets an automatic bid. That doesn't put them at five. They but just Notre get Dame an could automatic still be bid. the five seed because they are rated higher. I believe that's how that works as we continue to it makes still sense. learn at this point. <laughs> I've been my, so my, deep in basketball. I swear I we're switching back. <laughs> and I've been saying this for a really long time. Does this force Notre Dame to join a conference? Is this going to be a big enough of a wrench to keep them from being hosting any games, like whatever model they come up with, to where they're hosting a game or something? Does this prevent them or does this push them into joining a conference? I don't think so. You still I, think they're going to hold on to for dear life, huh? I don't. I just don't think the the idea of the top four seeds is enough to motivate because now you still have complete control of your schedule, um, except for the the four ACC games but you have to play. How do you make How do you make it into the top five if you're if if all of a sudden these conferences say no, we're not going to honor your your agreement? We've got to have conference games. The Big Ten's going to have 18 people, 18 You You teams. mean with the, the scheduling flexibility, nobody yeah. else is going to be flexible enough? Yes. Well, How's you know, I thought, that, I thought that would be an issue for a while now, and they've still been able to navigate those waters. I yeah, think. but Dalton, we, have, we, we haven't gotten to the super conference point yet, and we're getting there. I don't think the Big Ten's done that in teams. I don't think the SEC's done that in teams. Whether it's going to be immediately, maybe not, but down the road they're going to add more teams, and we're going to have super conferences to where – they're not going to want uh, teams not seeing one of these big teams come through for six years, for eight years. They're going to keep trying to force more and more conference games. And the bigger the conference gets, they're going to be quality games. They're not going to yeah. be, you know, four laydowns and three tough ones. Well, I would say if Operation Pangea happens, where all the conferences <laughs> come together and one, that might be a breaking point for Notre Dame. But as it sits right now, like what this this itself, I don't think moves the needle for Notre Dame. I think maybe hypothetically down the road, if we get to a point of super conferences, that might move the needle. But this here, I mean, I, I'd have to go back and look. But Notre Dame, if you take the top 12 teams, there's so many times they are going to finish in the top 12. Oh, for sure. And if they continue as is with the, the flexibility on scheduling, like. Notre so Dame's you think just making the playoffs is fine for them? I think that's going to be the way a lot of athletic departments evaluate because using using Georgia and Alabama for yesteryear's 
like as the metric or evaluating stick, like you'd be firing your coach every single three years because right. it's just an impossible standard. But you get to 12 teams. I mean, heck, look at basketball. We're out, you made the tournament this year. Success. Like sometimes that's that's just the, the way we we measure. I, I, I actually brought up the, the question, you know, uh, comparatively to the NCAA tournament, this tournament, you're always going to have, just like the, at the NCAA tournament, this tournament, you're going to have teams saying, well, we should have made the, made the, the playoffs. We should have made the playoffs. It doesn't matter if you've got 300 teams, 301 is going to be complaining. It's just mm-hmm. the way of the world. Do you think you get to the point where, let's say, Ole Miss and Army – Army's undefeated. They beat Navy in the Army-Navy game. They're undefeated. They're not a really strong team, but they're undefeated. But you've got Ole Miss who has two losses, but they're SEC games, and they lost to Alabama and Georgia. Those are their two losses. Mm -hmm. Do they reward Army, or do they get to the point where these lower seeds, they're not going to win the tournament? Rarely do the basketball teams make it to the Final Four the big seeds do they make the lower three to four seeds while you want the best teams possible but if there's a comparison like that uh, an Ole Miss team who's not going to do anything necessarily an army who is not going to do anything but they've done something to this point who gets that nod is it army over Ole Miss that's interesting and I don't know how they'll do it I could tell you how I would do it and I'd reward the, the service academy well and I go opposite you you do I would go the two lost SEC team here. And I can tell you why to me in, in the prism I'm looking at this through football and basketball are just inherently different. I mean, we see Mm -hmm. so many fewer upsets in football than we do in college basketball. So the idea of like a March madness spirit taking place in football, I I just don't know. I I don't know that you can actually manufacture it in, in any real kind of way, but what I do like and, and what I've had a problem with with the current format for some time is in March Madness, you win your conference tournament, you get in. There's a path where you can control your own destiny and yeah. ask Florida yeah. State about football this past year. They'll they say we control won, their destiny by winning everything. We won every game. We won our conference. We dealt with injuries. We overcame it. And our reward is nothing. And to me, that's been the, the issue with the system. And I'm not even saying the playoff made the wrong decision by keeping Florida State out, but it's definitely a flaw in the system. If you can win every game and not be rewarded and we're in search of an absolute national champion. So the idea of the, the automatic conference champs getting in, that's the start. That's what I've always wanted to see. I, I'm curious why we ever went to, well, I know, money. But I always thought eight was a more appropriate uh, playoff than, than the 12. There's no buys. There's no messy buys. It's just straight up everybody plays every, you know, throughout. At, at the time where I thought it would happen, you'd have five automatic qualifiers and three at-larges. And that made sense to me. Now you do four of four automatic qualifiers and four at-larges. But nonetheless... Yeah, I, I find I find that part interesting. I don't think – I mean, football is just inherently different. We've seen in the playoffs over years, this is the first time we've had two good semifinal games. Usually right. one's fairly competitive and the other one's a 40-point beatdown. Right. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be a, a great mirror of, like, what March Madness is for football fans, even though that would be amazing. Um, but yeah. I think this will this will help reward winning in a better way. 
I just was curious as to like, you know, a team that, you know, and even uh, you could even take it to, uh, to the extent, I think there are going to be plenty of two loss teams making this tournament. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's even pull it down to, to a three loss, you know, like at what point do you go, okay, army is the better team to choose or mm-hmm. is it ever, you know what I mean? I mean, and, and I think it, I think it, it'll work itself out. Like uh, I remember years ago, Western Michigan was a top 10 team by the end of the season. They played Wisconsin in that bowl game. Yeah. I think we'll see those instances. Yeah, I think um, so too. Which is which is fine, and it's healthy for the sport. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not against one of those lower teams getting in. Um, but You're not I, up for again, rewarding I don't just simply for rewarding purposes. Yeah, and and I just don't believe. And this, what I'm about to say, doesn't mean <laughs> that they shouldn't get in. That we shouldn't reward them because I do believe in the rewarding, but. Upsets don't really happen like that in football for the most part. And that's what I was going to say is, so do you see a possibility of a two or three loss team actually having a possibility of running the table and winning a national title, potentially? Not saying you're going to pick it all the time, but there might be a chance that there's a team that you go, yeah, even though they've lost three games, they were really close, they were really good, they beat a couple of good teams, they could run the table. I I think so. Uh, Didn't we have that a few years? Didn't we have that a few years back with uh, either Ohio State or Alabama? They had two losses, got in, and won it all. And Ohio CFB, State, I don't know if we have never had a two-loss two team. team. Are you sure? I'm dead positive because they were talking <laughs> about they were talking about last year LSU could be the first two-loss team, and then they lost a third game. I'm pretty positive um, that there's never been a two, two uh, a two-loss team in the CFP. You might be right. Um, because like last year, uh, Nick Saban was trying to, uh, trying to get in there as a, as a two. You're correct. Team. You're correct. Um, I remember Alabama sneaking in one year and I thought maybe they had two losses, Right. no, just had the one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nonetheless, so I, I'm not really sure that we're making the product better. Um, and I keep talking about like, to me, March Madness is the perfect postseason. Everything about it is beautiful. And now administrators and leaders are taking a look at March Madness and looking to see ex- if they should make tweaks. They want to expand it. Now I could understand, honestly, I heard a, 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 a proposal. It would be uh, adding four more teams and make them at large teams. So the play or the first round games in Dayton are all at large teams. And those automatic qualifiers that are 16 seeds get to go to a site and actually be there. They don't have to go to Dayton to win a game, then move to their site. The 16s automatically go to a site and they make those, those, those first round games all at large teams. So by expand it by four and make it 72 rather than 68. That's and I wouldn't be totally completely against that just simply because you get those sixteen seeds that are going to be sixteen seeds anyways. Honestly, let's leave it the way it is. But if you're going to expand it all, don't double the size of it though. Well, and I'm with you. I think I I, I can hear that that argument of of the playing games just being the at largest. But to me, the reason why I roll my eyes and sigh is because it's a problem you created. You had the oh, tournament sure. at 64, and you added four teams in. You created this first four. You created this problem. You had a great model. Why are you messing Don't, with it? Are Leave you it saying the NCAA screwed something up? They had the perfect formula. <laughs> Nobody hates March Madness. Ratings are great. Yeah, think about this, though. There. 
think about this though it didn't start out with 64 they had to expand out i mean uh, i could ask my uncle that the ncaa tournament started out with like 24 teams at one point I mean, right so like they've expanded out to what they're at now so it's a creation of their own but yeah you're right 64 is the perfect it's a perfect bracket 16 teams in each side and you work into one team left over simple but you had the right amount. Like you had it right. Like if you're cooking a dish and you're adding salt to it and you get to the right amount and you're like, you know what? Salt was a good thing. Let's do more. And Let's then the a little whole bit thing more. is flooded in it salt. It can't make it worse. And, and, and they do. They're ruining the That's dish. Right. You're, like right. It's, you're right. Uh, that part frustrates me. Anywho. Um, but so you don't think Notre Dame joins a conference simply over this? Not simply over this. I, I think there could be scenarios like you talked about, like super conferences may force a hand in the future. Um, television money. If NBC doesn't pony keep ponying up to to be competitive, then I, I think that's a If they don't keep winning ballgames, I don't know that they do. Or do yeah. they do it just for tradition's sake? Well, I now the NBC that... dipped their toe in the in the Big Ten where they're getting all these different games. Like last night's Iowa-Indiana women's basketball game, a sold-out crowd. You know there's going to be decent numbers on it. That was a Peacock game. Yeah. Like NBC's in the Big Ten now. Mm-hmm. Um, that might cause them to, to pivot and give more money to the Big Ten than Is to Notre Dame. Friends reference? What's the pivot? <laughs> that's that's just naturally my mannerisms. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think TV money's a thing. I think super conferences is a thing. Not being able to be a top four seed in the college football playoff, I don't think moves the needle. You don't think it's that part's in so you don't think the first time they get screwed out of a top four seed and potentially of hosting a home game uh, is gonna sway them in any way, shape, or form. It's not worth it to them. I don't. Even though they already kind of play in a conference anyways, even though they're not fully invested in. Yep. Well, hopefully the – because if they maintain the four, they'll have four conference games, and then you'll have, you know, all the service academies that aren't in, are willing to schedule you and uh, probably marshal. They, they like to thump on you once in a while too. So yeah, <laughs> I guess they'll get teams. Nevada probably will play them. I mean, I, I'm just going off of the the small teams that I remember them. But they play Purdue this coming year, so. Played Toledo recently. They throw in some of those. I mean, at, Western Michigan. Yeah. yeah, Notre Notre Dame. I think will be will be fine. Do you think this moves the needle for them? See, I think it does. I think it matters. Okay, for I, what? I just think that they're so full of themselves, and uh, that they figure, well, we we're not gonna we're not gonna join, and that's fine. We'll just make you no higher than a five seed. Well, what if we're number one? Well, you're no number five seed, and it's that it, it, we're Notre Dame. It doesn't matter. You've lost what you've had. They they haven't won a national championship since 1988. Yep. So I don't foresee it being. Uh, while they do move the needle, I don't know. And eventually, they're going to become what the service academies are now. Now, the service academies used to be the programs to go to, and now they are secondary. You remember when uh, programs now, and I think Notre Dame is getting scarily close to that. Every time they play somebody, it doesn't seem like they're, and, and this is, might be my hate for Notre Dame. I don't know, but I, it just appears to me that they don't carry that gravitas that they used to. 
they like to think they do but i think that they're on they if you look at it like a bell curve i think they're very close to it leveling out and them being at the bottom of the bell if they don't join a conference <clears throat> they don't have it alone to carry themselves right now anyway. well and i would say to your point, I believe you're right. I don't think it's the same gravitas they, they once carried. But I, I do, like, recently there was the, the conversation that made national discourse on ESPN about is Notre Dame relevant? And Notre Dame's relevant. I they still got think a they're relevant. Yeah. Notre Dame's fan base, it's it's still rather large. Oh, yeah. Like, rather still, too. Yeah. And they're still super unique. Like they are relevant, even if they're not winning all the games. Like Texas mm-hmm. has been relevant, even though just last year they got kind of back into really competing the last right. couple of years. Um, well, there's but, a reason why the SEC wanted them along with Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Big Ten's wanted forever Notre Dame to join them. Like that's been a thing for a while because right. they are relevant. Are they relevant on the football field? <laughs> It depends what your standard is. If it's nationally, not really. Like, if it's Purdue standards, they're great. You, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's a lot of teams that would would kill for eleven or twelve wins, and they've had a couple sure. of those years in the last five. But right overall, like, no, Georgia and um, who's another good example to use uh, now that Alabama's Nick Saban's gone and we don't know, but we'll just use Georgia as the measuring stick. They're not shaking in their boots over Notre Dame and Athens. They're not worried about it. Right. Right. And, and that, and that's why I kind of think it matters to them. Look who yeah. we are. We're Notre Dame. Well, you're not going to be hiring a fifth seed because Notre Dame because you ain't got a conference. And then they're like, okay, well, if we join a conference, we can still be Notre Dame. You know, and be, they've been part of a conference before, so it's not like they've never been in a conference. Well, then what matters to them? Is it just to be able to have the unique and alternative way of doing things and saying – we have money. We're special. We have the only one TV contract deal in the country. So we're, we're special. And that's us at Notre Dame. Or is that it winning be, football? I, honestly, I don't know anymore because they're making it so apparent that that what you just rattled off matters. Like we get to schedule our own. Co- why, why does it matter? If you get to schedule three of your own games. And the rest of them, all the other nine are taken care of. You're playing <laughs> USC. You, you'll get that guarded. If you're in the Big Ten, you'll have USC guarded. USC Notre Dame during Thanksgiving weekend, the same time Michigan and Ohio State's going. Come on. You can't tell me that that's not must-see TV on Thanksgiving evening. You know, or uh, back to getting Michigan every year uh, or most years. Uh, lower, a lower rung Purdue. Michigan State, those rivalries that they've played, they're built into your schedule now. Mm-hmm. And and I do see, I see the value in, in what they do, and it's a part of their identity. I see the value in having a TV partner like that. I, I get that, yeah. And, and so I guess what my point is, is if you had to dissect the anatomy of Notre Dame's identity and what they do take pride in, Maybe the uniqueness means more than anything else because if they do take just as much pride in actually winning football games, as you said, the last national title came in 1988. That's 36 years ago. I mean, so if they do take pride in that, they're failing. 
Right. And that's like, why you know what I mean? That's why I'm to this point where, you know, I would think that the the new regime, you know, Swarbrick's gone, you know, and the new new AD, you know, where's where who makes those choices for Notre Dame? Is it the AD or is it the higher ups and it just looks like the AD is that influential? Really, I honestly don't know because if it were the higher ups, I'd be wanting to win football games. Yeah. Personally. Because you're going to make millions upon millions, anyways. The money. Yeah, I was going to say I don't believe it's mutually exclusive. By the way, too, that you are either going to be unique and keep your TV deal structure or win football games. But I mean, we lived through the the days of the 2000s of Notre Dame football. That was it was rough. Ty Willingham, while he was a nice guy, was not a good coach at Notre Dame. Yeah, like it, it, it just, and they went through three or four of them. It right, just, right. So I don't know. I, I suppose that would be my big question to, to Notre Dame um, when they're trying to make these decisions. Um, and it's just an interesting part of the Notre Dame conversation yeah. because how do you handle a school that has so much tradition, has so much winning in its history, but just has struggled to climb that mountain in the last 36 years. I applaud though the CFP for just saying, look, you're Notre Dame. That's great. You don't get special treatment because you're Notre Dame. Like yep. uh, they, they've just said, no, that's great. Like I, I think it maybe would be a completely different story if they'd won any national championship since 19. <laughs> and I'm it, not joking it, about it, that. They might yeah. say, okay, well, even though you're, you know, we'll let you be independent and still be in the top four seats. No it doesn't matter you've been you've been irrelevant on the field for years you might be notre dame but you're not getting that special treatment in the tournament it just isn't happening so i i don't know i i i think it could let's say it this way because i'm not 100 percent convinced that notre dame is completely scared of that of people not thinking they're relevant Right. Um, but I think that does creep into their head and it does matter to them to some extent. And, and again, it just doesn't matter compared to what they're, we, that what they'd be giving up. And, and at some point, uh, kind of to your point, like if Notre Dame had won a national championship, maybe the conversation about them is different. If Notre Dame just go win, go win. Yeah. If you want to be special, just go win. Yeah. Um, and they got the resources to do it. Don't talk about how special you are. Show us how special you are. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I kind of think uh, along those lines. But anyway, we, we dove into a lot of Notre Dame <laughs> by the end of it. Um, but it was that was interesting. Uh, Big Ten basketball. Uh, looking at Saturday's matchups, not a ton. On the women's side, you have Rutgers at Michigan State, Michigan at Northwestern, Minnesota's at Nebraska. On the men's side, Indiana's at Penn State tomorrow at noon, and Iowa goes to number 12, Illinois. Real quick, I'll pull up Sundays before we get on out of here. On Sunday, Ohio State on the men's side goes to Michigan State. Maryland goes to Rutgers. Purdue goes to Michigan. Minnesota goes to Nebraska. And I suppose what is the game of the weekend? Minnesota at Nebraska. That's the only one that really sounded off an alarm. Same with you, right? Like that's I I don't have a better matchup than that. I'll watch the Purdue Michigan one, but I'm not anticipating anything. And uh, <laughs> if I had to choose another one, it would be the Minnesota Nebraska. Yeah, on the if Minnesota side. could win at Nebraska. Go, Ben Johnson for coach of the year nationally. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Gain the, the Huskers their first loss yeah. there in 
right. Big Ten at home. Something Purdue couldn't do, something you know nobody else could do. <laughs> that alone should be the resume stamp. That's right. Right. Did That's you win? In, did you win in in Lincoln? You did. You're not the the Cornhuskers. Okay, you get it. You're number one in our book. <laughs> Um, on the women's side on Sunday, Illinois goes to number four, Iowa, which could be interesting given how Illinois played recently. Um, pretty good win. What do you think that does for them? For Illinois? Yeah. Boy, First off, I don't it makes know. them 500 and it puts them two games above, but that gives you a win against the number four team in the country and a win against the number 14 team in the country where you throttled them. That's a good question because yeah. that still just does give you your 14th win. Right. But like, I don't, what I, does I, that – look at those wins, though. Those two wins that got you over 500. I think it starts getting you closer, but closer, I still don't right. think you're in. It's, you still it's need to have some big road. wins. You need, yeah. yeah. Illinois, they, they dug themselves a huge hole at the beginning of that season. With the non-conference. They went 6-4 yeah. and four in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And they but didn't I think start that make, well in the Big Ten either. Yeah. And maybe the game of the weekend on the women's side is Maryland at number two, Ohio State, two o'clock Sunday. Ohio State wins it. They win a share of the Big Ten title guaranteed with a week to play still. If Maryland wins it, they're going into the NCAA tournament. What is the most down year Maryland's had with Brenda Freeze in so long? They're still going to get into the tournament if they win this one. They still might even if they lose it. Moonwalking in. Yes, (laughs) moonwalking right in. Uh, but so anyway, that's what's on tap for Big Ten basketball on the way out the door. Sam, you want to let everybody know where they can find us? Absolutely. Uh, uh, the TikToks, the Instagrams, and the f- platform formerly known as Twitter. We are at, at B1G underscore talk. That's B1G Dalton, not B-I-G underscore talk. Big talk. Yes, yes. Look, how many is that? One. Yes. And then for Facebook, it's uh, B1G talk, big talk. Do not click on all big talk. They're nice people. I'm positive, but that's not us. No big talk. No all big talk, just big talk. <laughs> Cross out the all. Yes. But we are streamed weekly on uh, the ASAP network, uh, 9 o'clock in the morning every every Friday. Uh, we are live on ASAP. And then later that day, our podcast version of the show comes out through Lounge Media Group. And uh, it is also available in the video stream on spotify all right so again i'll do it for another edition of big talk college sports with midwest perspective blue collar and blue blood a big thank you to all of you so much for tuning in and joining us for this week everybody have a great weekend for sam sprunger myself dalton shetler so long see ya